Welcome to the Successful Contractor, powered by CertainPath, a show for residential contractors about residential contractors. We chronicle business journeys, share insights, and celebrate successes in this wonderful industry. I'm your host, Bob Houchin. For more information on how CertainPath can put your contracting company on a certain path to success, visit our website, www.mycertainpath.com. I hope you enjoyed today's show and take away a nugget or two. Carl, thanks so hey. much for being on the show today. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself, Bob? Very good. I'm doing very good. I'm so glad to have you on the show. For uh, people that are watching or listening who haven't had the pleasure of meeting you yet, can you kind of share with everyone your name and, and what you're doing with Certain Path these days? All right. Uh, name's Carl DeBetty. Um, I have been brought on at Certain Path as a strategic business advisor. Um, been back now for about I guess about 90 days, 60 days, 90, I guess yeah. 60 days, somewhere yeah. in that neighborhood. Yeah. Um, time's flying fast, but I'm having That's a great right. time. That's right. But it's not your foray into contracting. You've been doing this for a little bit, right? Share with everyone yeah, how long you've been in yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing it. Um, I think I got into the contracting business in 97, I want to say. Right. Um, as an accountant, believe it or not. Right, right, right. Yeah. You got a great story. And we'll get we'll get in your story in a quick second. But this uh, this big initiative that you're spearheading, it's called the SOAR program. Kind of share with everyone real quickly what the overview of that is. All right. So the SOAR program um, is something, you know, as Rebecca and Abigail and I were sitting down like, hey, you know, what can you what can you do for us, Carl? What can you bring to the table? Right. And um, something that I've been um, doing for a lot of years is, is visiting businesses and um, kind of taking a look at their operations yeah. and, and try to pinpoint some areas, areas of opportunity um, that could help the businesses grow, flourish, become a program. And, and uh, you know, Rebecca and Abigail were real excited about it. We rolled it out, as you know, Bob, you helped me with it. Yeah. And man, we, we sold a, a bunch of spots really quick and I've been, I've been on the road for, about eight weeks straight now. Is that right? Businesses. Yeah. How many yeah. How many visits have you done thus far? Um, I've done eight. There's only There's only two spots left. Yeah. And I can only handle after we kind of looked at the calendar and, and the rotation. I could only handle ten businesses at a time. Right. Right. Um, and I haven't I haven't even really, if this makes sense, tried to sell it. I mean, people yeah. are calling. You know, I talked to them on the phone, and boom, we got it scheduled. Yeah, so I got, cool. I got, yeah, I got two spots left. You know, there's been plenty of inquiries, so I probably should call a couple of folks. But, um, <laughs> but it's good. You're yeah, getting to help yeah. people, and it's good for the members. It's good for us. It's it's a win-win all yeah. the way around. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So what is this? So just so people understand, so you go in and and what's it? Two days or is it a day and a half? Yeah. How, how how long is it exactly? It's it's two days, two full days. So what I'll two do is days. I'll fly in. Yeah, I'll fly in on Monday afternoon. Um. And then I'll be at the business first thing in the morning on Tuesday. Usually about uh -huh. eight thirty in the morning when I say first thing, I let them get the technicians cleared out and right. everything. And I'll be there all day Tuesday as long as it takes. Um, and then be all all day Wednesday. And I yeah. usually don't fly out to Thursday, so I don't have to you know cut out early to catch a flight. That's so great. It's two solid days that I'm going to spend um, with the owners and the managers of a business um, to really get you know under the hood and see what's really going on in the business. Right, right. And then who do who all do you talk to in addition to the owner? Is it primarily owner and middle managers, or, or who do you typically chat with? So, so typically when I'm there, it'll it'll be the owners. 
It'll be the uh, service line managers. You know, if you have a, you know, plumbing, HVAC, whatever service managers, um, I'll spend time with them sales managers. I like to, if I can on Wednesday morning, sit in on a tech, tech meeting and a sales yeah. meeting. And I like to talk to the technicians if I can, just get a feel for the techs and where they're at. You, you know, you, you learn a lot by, uh, by sitting in a tech meeting and actually, you know, chatting with techs. Sure. Um, you know, we'll meet with the accountants. We'll meet with the marketing manager if they have one, if it's not the owner. So I'm going to meet with every position right? Um, to get a feel for their team, what they're doing, and just try to get an understanding of, you know, their philosophy of the business. Make sure right. everybody's on the same page. Right. And then you will compile a bunch of notes, basically what your findings are. And then you yep. have what, like a, a plan of action, correct? That, that is correct. Yeah. Very cool. So, so we'll, go ahead. Yep. So, you know, we'll, we'll dive into it, for example, you know, in a service department, we'll dive in, we'll start looking at tickets. We'll start looking at, you know, what, what's happening with the service calls, what kind of revenue is being generated, what kind yeah. of opportunities we're capitalizing or we're leaving behind. And, and we'll go through the whole thing. I'll write a report at the end, but we're, we're going to train while I'm there. Right. We're going to work. Yeah, we're going to work with the service manager and the owner and, and, and talk about where these opportunities lie and how to manage it. Right. What re re reports to start looking at or creating so that you can better manage it. Because yeah. a lot of times they were, they're not aware of some different ways to look at this. Right. And at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a simple man. I mean, things have to be easy for me. I mean, mm -hmm. you could overcomplicate anything. At the end <laughs> of the day, the truth. Yeah. yeah. At the end of the day, it's a service business. You're going in and out of people's homes. You're helping them. Yeah. But it's a business. So you have to make sure you're helping yourself as well. You know, Absolutely. So it's gotta be, it's gotta be a win-win um, when you're visiting homes. Yeah. And, that's what we're making sure they're doing. Absolutely. I love it. And we're going to dig in to specifically kind of department by department. What are some things you're looking for, right. problems you see? But I do want to share your story a little bit because you've got a great story, unique background. Um, so let's let's dig in a little bit. Before you got in the trades, you were you were an Army Ranger, correct? Yeah, that, that's correct. Uh, so talk about that experience. What was that? How long did you serve? What was that experience like? Um. You know, it, it was a phenomenal experience. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I mean, yeah. I'll I always say, I don't think I'd be where I am today had I not done that. Right. Um, you know, a lot of kids get out of high school and they're running off to college and, and all these other things. And I could have done the same thing. But I knew I, w I wasn't ready for that. And I, 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 I kind of like adventure a little bit. Sure. Um, That's a hell of an adventure. Yeah. So I, I actually, I actually signed up and and joined um, the Rangers after my junior year in high school. So I did really? back then delayed entry. So I yeah. delayed entry. So I I sat for a whole year knowing I was going in the army. Everybody else was taking off. So three days out of high school, yeah. Um, I was on a bus going to Miami to do some processing, and then they bust us up to Fort Benning, Georgia, and my life began. Wow. How many years again yeah. did you serve? I forget. Eight and a half years. Eight and a half years. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And then you and then you get out of the military and you go, I'm gonna go back to school, right? That is correct. And then accounting, yeah. you with this big personality, and you're gonna go, I'm gonna be a, a numbers nerd. I, I say that kidding. Yeah. My dad, my dad yeah. was an accountant, but yeah. So what why the decision to get into accounting? Well, yeah. so the funny thing is, um I want to join the FBI. Oh, this when makes got, sense now. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. when I got in the army, I want to join the FBI. Well, the FBI they only took three things. You had to be an accountant, a lawyer, or a pilot. Okay. 
So pilot, being a pilot was out, being a lawyer was out. So <laughs> accounting was where it's at. So that was oh, that, yeah, yeah, that makes sense now. All right. Yeah. But but yeah. obviously that 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 didn't come to fruition. So now you, you know what? Back in the uh, when I graduated, because obviously I went to I went to college. Started college was like I don't know, it was like twenty six, something like that, twenty five, yeah. twenty six. Um, and in the mid nineties, they had a moratorium on federal government hiring. Oh, okay. So right when You're I like, finished college, no, uh, the federal government wasn't hiring. So, oh my God! So you um, go, I got to, I got to figure something out fast. Exactly. And well, you just an answered a job ad. That's how I got stuck with this. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it was, it was a newspaper. Old, yeah, it was a newspaper John Young ad. Oh, is that right? Oh yeah, my for God! Some folks that are listening that remember John Young, he wrote an ad. Yeah. That that uh dave goodenough ran in the news local newspaper and it said small growing service company seeks accountant with opportunity to be cfo oh okay i was like huh yeah that, that totally coincided with my favorite accounting professor who said hey, if you want to move up the ladder fast find a small company that's growing yeah because if you join any of the big firms or anything like that they're already capped out you have yeah. to wait for somebody to retire or something before there's a spot. Yeah. So so it kind of fit right in. I'm like, oh, that's what I want to do. Yeah, that's so cool. Uh, yeah. And so you guys end up, you join a, 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 it was a plumbing company, if I'm not mistaken, correct? It was a plumbing only company, yes. Yeah. And then you guys, you guys were, were you the first round of members with what was then Plumber Success International in 1998? Yeah. So the guy who owned the plumbing company, him and his wife actually partnered with an old CSG service experts guy. Oh, okay. Lou Selman was his name. Oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah. So I Lou, that name. yeah, Lou partnered with Dave and Barb, uh, mm -hmm. and um, <clears throat> they started air conditioning, and they were members of that CSG Contractor Success Group. Yeah. And um, the first CSG meeting I went to was the meeting that Jim Abrams was resigning from. Oh boy. CSG Service Experts. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I think they probably took about a year, <clears throat> year and a half off before they started PSI. Yeah. In 1999, I believe. Yeah, holy yeah, cow. We were original members. We went to the very first, uh, you know, recruiting meeting because they won't let you sign up on the phone. You have to show up. Right, um, right. So, right. yeah. So, so we showed up and, and um, yeah, we were some of the first members to join the yeah. original posse. Yeah. And for those watching and listening that, that are not members, uh, PSI or Plumber Successor International, that's what, what Certain Path is today, 20 some odd, 25 years later. So he yeah. ground floor and then and then you came to work for us not, not long after and actually built out all our training. So kind of share with everyone what you what you did with us in those early days. Yeah. So so I don't know, after about a year or so, PSI, um, I guess it was two years, I got asked to to start doing some of the training. And then I think six months after that, they asked me to take over the training department. Yeah. So um, I, I happened, I mean, I, that was awesome for me. It was like, a you know, almost a dream come true. Right. So back then it was New Millennium Academy and I was running right. the New Millennium Academy, had a few training courses already in place. So, you know, we, we, we added to that. So most of the courses you see today um, are a byproduct of what we started way back when it was nma new millennium they, academy they absolutely are yeah i mean we've yeah. the thing we've changed is, is things change 
but the core foundation of delivering exceptional services. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people have asked me over the last 20 years about your that that binder with the CDs. What was it? The plumber's playbook. <laughs> They're yeah, like, yeah. we still watch them, even though they're they're grainy now because yeah, they're from VHS yeah. converted to DVD. <laughs> but your stuff, yeah. your stuff works, which is what the accountant turned uh, sales uh, trainer. You've got yeah, it all covered. Yeah, yeah. You got it all covered. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so eventually you leave and you go to ARS in '09 in, in a senior yeah. management position, and you kind of yeah. really at your time there. And it was how many years there? You were there a long, long time. I was, was there. I was there fourteen years. 14 years, you kind of were known as the turnaround artist, right? So basically what you're doing with us, you did did for them. Kind of share your yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah. All the experience I, I got from working with the contractors at SGI at the time, now CertainPath, um, really translated because, you know, you know this, you work with so many different contractors, so many different challenges they have. Yeah. Now I'm in a business um, that has, I mean, when I got there, I mean, ARS was, I think they were doing... A little under 400 million bucks. Yeah. And during that 14 year period, you know, we grew to a billion too. Yeah. So through acquisitions, through, you know, uh, internal growth, um, managed and worked with a lot of different businesses, you know, in our central and west and our Florida, you know, divisions. And, um, you know, every, every business is a little different. Sure. And every business has to be managed a little different. Right. Um, and so, you know, going through that growth spurt um, with with the team at ARS was was really, I mean, it was enlightening. It was fun. Right. I, I really enjoyed it for, for a lot of years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. their first. I mean, there's, you know, I know people in the industry that wanted to grow to a billion dollars and it never happened. Right. They'd stall that around, you know, three hundred fifty million bucks, and they all seem to stall three fifty, four hundred million. Um, you know, the guys at ARS. I don't know if people know the history of it, but, you know, Dave, Dave Slot and Don Carnes, these guys are the ones that built True Green into over a billion dollars. Right. You know, on $139 transactions. <laughs> I mean, That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. I, so they, Everyone they knows managed, True Green. Yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah, yeah. They're everywhere. And, and I mean, they were running, I think, 250, 300 branches around right. the country. Right. I mean, that's that's a lot of businesses to manage at $139 transactions. Yeah. So these guys really understood how to manage multiple locations right. around the country and get the results they were looking for. Yeah. And you and you'll so, see, if I'm not mistaken, you were managing before you left, what, 31 locations and almost $500 million in sales? Yeah. Yeah. The whole, I was the West Zone Sales Manager. Yeah. So I handled sales and marketing, you know, around our whole West Zone. And yeah. Typically, you know, if I'm working in the West, if there was a problem with a business in the central or whatever, you know, uh, whether it was, you know, sewer sales or if it was HVAC sales, or whatever, you know, the guy I reported to, Chris Evans, a great guy, you know, he'd call me on the phone and say, hey, I need you, you know, in Kansas City this this week, I need you to spend time with whoever and let's get this thing turned around. Right, right. So what? So basically, what you're doing with us now is what you've been doing for for a long time. So you've got the proven track record for sure. Yep, yep. Doing it since '97. <laughs> well, we're we're glad to have you back uh, for sure, and uh, excited what you're doing with the program because I know there's a lot of people that could use your your guidance, even good companies. Support for this podcast comes from Yellowstone Local. Are you a home service company struggling to find experienced employees to hire? Then you need to schedule a meeting with Yellowstone Local, the undisputed leader in helping home service companies build high-performing teams. 
Yellowstone Local doesn't just fill open positions, they shift your entire recruiting paradigm, changing your brand into a magnet for amazing people and helping you hire people that embody your vision, your drive, and your commitment to excellence. With an intentionally extensive approach, you'll have a partner that builds and executes the entire process for you, saving you time and money while getting the best results. So, in an industry where your product is your people, don't settle for less where it matters most. Visit YellowstoneLocal.com today and experience a different way to hire. For more information, contact Warren Lentz at 512-962-2638 or email Warren at YellowstoneLocal.com. Perfect. Um, yeah. So we, we dug in, you kind of explained what SOAR is. I want to kind of talk some nuts and bolts stuff, some, some, what I consider fun stuff. Um, you know, you have like a, you know, we, we, when we promoted the program, you had like a checklist of things, generally what you're looking at. And I kind of want right. to speak to each one of those a little bit. So you, number one, you had PL review, you will a seven yeah. year trend review. When you sit yeah. down with companies, PLs, what are some of the common problems or red flags you're typically searching for? Um, when I look at when I look at the seven year trend, what we do is, is we do every single month for the last seven years, and it'll be revenue, profit, and profit percentage mm -hmm. for every single month. And I'm I'm looking for you know where the growth is happening. Mm -hmm. Number one, number two, I'm looking for consistency, and and that's a big challenge I've been seeing in, in my travels here reviewing uh, P and Ls. Mm -hmm. If if I do eight hundred thousand dollars in a month. I should know I'm going to make X dollars a profit. Let's just pretend it's a hundred thousand bucks. Yeah. Right. So, so I'll see a business do 800,000, make 120. Mm -hmm. The next month they'll do 800,000 and lose 14. The mm -hmm. next month they'll do 850,000 and make 65. Mm -hmm. So th there's just, there's no correlation. And then, you know, when you talk to them, you know, they'll, they'll say that they're doing the accounting, right. And they're using the accrual system, but then, when you start looking how it's happening, it's it's partial accrual, <laughs> not so much. So we're not matching revenue and profit. Mm -hmm. um, businesses don't know their break even, mm -hmm. right? Um, so just some of these things start to come out when you're looking at the trend. And then, uh, you know, at the end, you know, when you look at the the year in totality, it's like okay, if you did a million dollars more year to year. Yeah. Right. So in, in 21 to 22, you did a million extra dollars. You know, what percentage of that additional revenue should convert to profit? Right. Right. So I always like to look at what their what their conversions are. And if sure. their conversions aren't, you know, in the upper 30s, you know, what's going on? What's eating that additional revenue? OK. Right. So all of a sudden you have a list of questions. You you look through that stuff, you start red flagging oh, yeah. it, writing it yep. down. Yep. And then who do you sit down with the owner or, you know, I don't know, small, smaller companies don't have CFOs, but maybe they have some right. admin manager that's managing yep. the books and yep. you just kind of dig in, right? Let's see yep. how your accounting yep. practices, you know, if it's, exactly. just a, it's just an accounting issue or if there's an actual yep. operational issue, that's the first step. Yep. That's it. You will get, so if it's, let's just say it's last year, July and August, they're just yeah. something weird happened. You know, and sometimes there's that, you know, you bought something, you sold something, you know, there was a big, you know, inventory hit or something. But right. if there's nothing, you know, let's see it. And then so I'll have them print out the detail. Right. 
and then we'll look at the three month period at what labor's doing, what materials doing, and that's where you'll see the the big variations. Right. One month, one month labor's you know twenty three percent, and the next month labor's eight and a half percent. We did a some we, we did a crew right here. Right. And, and this is so important for people that are watching or listening. If you really want to sell your business, and I know money's getting a little tighter these days, so I don't know if acquisitions are quite yeah. like they were the last couple of years, but you got to have this stuff buttoned up because that's what someone's going to come in and look at, right? So it's better yeah. to triage it now versus yeah. when you start having conversations with someone and you actually want to create an exit plan and all of a sudden you go, oh my God, you know, and it yeah. becomes a big headache. So it's just, it's a huge service to figure this out early on. So that's good stuff. You also look at, at org charts, which I know- yeah. Back in the day, everyone go, oh, an org chart. What the hell? You know, it's just boxes and lines, and no one needs that, right? Yeah. No, but it is it is so important. So when you kind of look at org charts, are there certain common problems or things you're looking for? Just too many people reporting maybe to, to one person, or what What are some things you're always looking for? Um, one of the things I always look for, and, and you know, people don't see it on org charts very much, but I, I, first thing I want to see is how long people have been working there. Mm-hmm. Right. I want to know, you know, if we have a turnover problem or people, oh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? That's, that tells you a lot about a business. Right. You know, when, when I sit down and we look at the org chart, that's the first thing we do. We'll sit down and we'll look at the org chart and we can spend two and a half, three hours right. just on the org chart because it takes us to a lot of different places. And, and to your point, Bob, we want to see what the span of control is. Right. I mean, sure. how many people are being managed by a manager. And, and sometimes you find positions like, what's that position? <laughs> exactly. And, right. Are, are you? Are, are you really big enough revenue wise to, to justify that position? Sure. Right. So, so those are some of the things you look at that when you get to the P and L and now you start seeing some of the labor, it makes sense where some of that overhead costs and, and things yeah. like that are coming from. Yeah. Right? Is, so, is that, is that the biggest problem you still seeing come? I mean, I feel like this has been going on forever. Every, everyone's, they're just too office yeah. heavy. Is that yeah. still the case? It still is. You know, sometimes you know, owners, they're, they're entrepreneurs, you know, they're, they're, they're seeing, you know, they got their, their BHAGs and they're, you know, they're, they got these, you know, great goals of where they want to be. And they start building the overhead before they're building the revenue. Right. right? right. So they got this solid foundation, right? Sure. For what, for when they are $20 million, but, but only 10. <laughs> right. right. So, right. so let, let's have the overhead for 9 million and do 10 million and make a lot of money. Right. Instead of having the overhead for 20 million and make a little bit of money. Right, right. And actually, you know, that kind of that leads to my next kind of line of questioning, because this is a big thing that's coming up, you know, especially in our industry, things have been good and people are growing fast. And there's always that question of how do I or when's the right time to add a second service manager or a sales right. manager? Right. Where how when when is it time that I can justify that cost because it's going to realize X X amount more in sales? What do you how do you coach people through that? What are what are some things they should think about? So it's a. It's, it always comes down to what your return on investment is going to be, right. right? If I if I add this additional body, whether it's a sales manager or if I'm going to go and and add a service manager, me as the GM, I'm no longer a service manager now. I'm adding that spot. Right. What what additional revenue are we get, going to generate by doing that? Because if we're right. not going to generate any additional revenue, only a little bit of additional revenue. Right. Why do it? All you yeah. do is add an expense. Now, by if by adding this person. We can now add three more technicians because we have the call volume to substantiate it. We could add three, four more technicians. Now, you know, now that'll be able to be managed. And me as the owner, now I can start focusing on growing the business instead right. of being the service manager, the sales manager, and the install manager. Right. Right. So it, it always comes down to 
being honest with yourself about how much more additional revenue I could expect. Obviously, if I hire them tomorrow, I'm not going to get that revenue tomorrow. But sure. over you know the, the runway of maybe three to six to nine months, have it laid out. Here's here's the expectation by bringing on this additional person, right? Or promoting this person, right? Because it, as soon as you do it, you know if you're promoting somebody and say, hey, I need you to be uh, my field supervisor and start managing the techs. Well, that means they're going to be sitting in the office for three quarters of the day. You just lost that revenue. Exactly. Right. You probably didn't replace that technician. And now he becomes a cost to the business, not an investment. And you right. want to make that person an investment where we're adding and, yeah. and not staying the same or, or going backwards because we took that revenue out of the field. It's probably best. And you tell me if I'm wrong. To, to to backfill that position before you ever elevate that that position, right? You want to hire. Yep. It, you're, I always feel like in talking to people, and obviously I'm not the expert, but I, I've talked to enough guys, right? But you know, it's better to have, you know, where you have too many plumbers reporting to you, and then you and it, and you're stressed out, but then you yep. you can elevate one of those plumbers into a service manager, and then he takes everybody up. And then you you're allowed to focus more on marketing or whatever, right? right? Yep. Yeah. Is there a sweet spot, like in your experience? We've always said maybe eight to ten, you know, technicians to a manager. Is that is that yeah. what you've been found to be the case in your travels? That's what. Yeah, that's about right. I mean, yeah. you start getting over ten, and and now the accountability starts to suffer a little bit. Right. So that's right? a good nugget right there. Yeah. Because yeah. you can't keep an eye on everything. Right. But then you go to some business where you see one guy can comfortably manage. 12 or 15. Yeah. Because he's got some senior techs that are that yeah. are disciplined in the field. So he doesn't yes. have to babysit. Right. So situation dictates, right. you know, whether it's eight to ten and then, you know, how experienced are the folks in the field? Yeah. Right. Because if they're not really experienced, that service manager is getting bombarded with calls telling them how to fix things in the field because they're not that experienced. Sure. So now, now you're not going to be able to handle 10 to 12. You're going to be, you know, six to seven. Yeah. So Again, a lot of things. Situation always dictates. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Uh, what? How about on, in, on on the HVAC side, especially like install teams? What's a what's a a comfortable number an install manager can really run before he's just like or she is like, okay, I just have no idea what's going on. Um. Again, this change this varies. Yeah, the, the quality of the lead installers are they capable yeah. of handling it with minimum babysitting? Or right. oversight, right? But yeah, an install manager should be able to handle a you know a team of ten mm -hmm. install install squads teams, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Um, they should be able to handle it, you know, right. as long as long as they got you know an install coordinator that's handling the paperwork and the permits and, and all that stuff's happening and and warranties and all that. Yeah. You know, sometimes if you only got you know three install crews, you don't. You don't have that install coordinator because now that that install manager has to handle all that stuff too. Exactly. Right? So, sure. I bring these up for a reason because we we're talking about that overhead on that org yeah. chart. I want people yeah. to hear this is kind of what you know. You don't necessarily need all those managers just yet if you don't have mm -hmm. those kind of numbers. Nope. Right. Nope. Right. So I'm intrigued to see get your background, your your insight on this. Um, you know, recruiting is obviously the biggest yeah. issue in our industry. We've talked about it for 20 years. It's got to be something you do all the time, but now it's even worse. So yes. in your experience, who who really should handle the recruiting function in a business? Is it time? I mean, have you seen people, because we started promoting hiring recruiters. Is right. is that what ARS was doing or, or what, like, what, what are your, what's your back or what's your thoughts on that? 
I'm I'm all for having a recruiter full time yeah. if mm -hmm. the recruiter is recruiting full time and not just sitting there mining the different databases and forwarding you know resumes right. on to a service manager, sales manager, or general manager. Exactly. So I could I could hire somebody for you know minimum wage to do that. Yeah. To me, a recruiter is proactive. Yes. So not only are they doing those things we just talked about because you will find some nuggets in there, but who this person, I mean, if you think about the recruiters on LinkedIn and stuff, they're they're proactively searching out talent that already yep. has jobs and they're trying to bring you in yep. and get you interviews with some of their clients. Yep. Yep. To me, that's how a recruiter needs to act. And they didn't ARS, they didn't act like this in ARS either. And it just used to frustrate the heck out of me. Yeah. You're you're being paid as a recruiter. Find out who the best technicians are in the market, yep. who the best salespeople are in the market, because they all have jobs. <laughs> they're looking and they're not jobs. looking. We've always said. Yeah. No. And and you talk to somebody that, you know, you're interviewing them. You're like, well, why did you leave your last job? Well, it's always because they were messed up, not because oh. you were a, you know what I'm saying? Sure. That sure. It wasn't, it wasn't that you got caught, you know, driving the vehicle with beer in it. <laughs> They're never going to tell you that part of the story. Right, right. right. Say, oh, they were messing with my pay or, oh, you know. That, yeah. So you, you got to identify yeah. some of the top people in your market. And that's, to me, that's the job of the recruiter. Now, how does a recruiter do that? Talking to the technicians, going to supply houses and talking to the supply house people. Yeah. They got to proactively seek out the best talent and and try to bring them in for interviews, at least stay in contact with them so yeah. that when that person really does get fed up with where they're at, you're top of mind. Yeah. Because being a good recruiter is being a good marketer. Yep. Yep. Right. It's a sales and position. Yes. And you have to you have to make sure that you're on top of mind as soon as somebody decides, you know what, I have had it here. Yeah. I I'm so glad you're bringing this up because I feel like a lot of people, oh, I'm a high recruiter. And all they are is a inbound resumes yeah. and, and taking respect. And then all of a sudden, then the service managers and, and install managers and salesmen, they're all getting, they're still doing the same thing. They're doing the interviews yeah, yeah, and they're they're yeah. getting their eyes yeah. off what they should be doing and, and ha yeah. handling their team. So yeah. I love that you, you brought that up. I, I think you're going to say something else. I cut you off. I got excited. Sorry, Carl. Yeah, no, I, I forget <laughs> what I was going to say. Yeah, but no, but yeah. Oh, for, yeah, no. I, I, an example is um, a guy in our Boston market. Um, I knew of him from working at uh, working at SGI. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and it'd been I don't know three years since I worked there, four years since I worked there. But I'm like, we could use this guy. Yeah. So you know, make some initial phone calls, and it took I don't know nine, ten months. Before right. he finally made the switch. I mean, recruiting is, it, it takes time. Yes. And you got to develop a relationship. Somebody's at a good business, for them to leave and come to your business, they have to feel comfortable. There has to be a relationship. They're 100%. not going to risk everything. You know, a guy's selling four million bucks. Right. You know, making nine, 10% on that. Now I'm going to shift over to you. I'm risking 400 grand a year earning. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we talk so long about and so much about hiring green and, and, you know, people are new to the industry because there's no bad habits. But if you recruit properly, you can get yes. top people, but you got but you've got to find the happy. I want to pivot into, uh, you know, obviously, another big part of the business is not just technicians. It's call center, right? Call centers. Yes. 
that's the number one thing, right? We spend all this money on marketing and then yep. it goes right out the door if it, that those, those calls don't get closed. So what are some of the, when you're looking at businesses, what are some of the most common problems you're seeing in, in call centers, especially larger businesses? You know, the biggest challenge I see, you know, booking percentage has actually been pretty good. Yeah. What I'm seeing as, as a challenge is the hours we're answering the phones. Mm-hmm. The other is, getting all the information mm. right are we getting all the information so so that we could properly prioritize the calls right there's the other challenge i'm seeing mm-hmm. we know we're supposed to prioritize but is it actually happening mm. what are the call priorities right right and i you know i, I got on the hub to kind of take a look and just there's the same priorities that that i put together back in i don't know oh three oh four something like that yeah you know are still there yeah. And they, they still really hold true today. Right. Right. How we're going to prioritize. Now, there's some regionality to it that needs to be moved around. But at the end of the day, getting the information so you can properly prioritize the call so you can properly dispatch it to the right technician. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even in some of our better businesses out there, you're seeing seeing holes in the system. That's interesting. What 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 information are they not capturing in the call? Like the age of the system, or what are they forgetting to, age, to ask? Age of the system, age of the water heater. You know, and, and if if they are getting the information, it's not going in the system. Mm. If it is going in the system, it's not being prioritized. Yeah, by properly. the dispatchers, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, you, you may look at the call and say, okay, the information's there, but why are we pushing this call off for a day when this should be getting seen first? Yeah. Right. So so it's just a combination of communication between the call center and dispatch and dispatch understanding. You know, when you sit and talk to them, they they'll say they understand. Yeah. But it's not it's not being yeah. put into play. Right. Right. And well, I that, always I always blame that on the on the service manager. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. That that's you you have oversight on that. Right. Right. They are the ones you should be setting the board. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Dispatch, I feel, is such a unique job. Like, what is your yeah. your experience? The best dispatchers, what are their backgrounds? How do you train up a good, you know, and then that background, how do you train them to, to really understand? Because you got to have some technical, you got to have understand the call center. I mean, it's a blend. It's a blended yeah. position and it's a tough one. It is. Um, and they have to be smart. You know, a lot of times you go to a business and They'll promote a you know a call taker that's been there for a while. We'll make that person the dispatcher. Right. Um, dispatcher, it, it's a unique position because all the revenue in the business flows through their fingertips. Right. Right. I mean, so they have to be they have to think exactly like the manager thinks, mm-hmm. and it's it, it takes a period of time to make sure that person is that way. Right. You know, I, re- I remember my dispatcher from way back in the day, but, you know, I learned this early on and her name was Jody. And it was it was a process for Jody to understand it. Yeah. But once she started to understand it, she would she would poke her head in my office, and say, hey, Carl, you'll see I moved this call to, to this this technician. And, and here's why. Yeah. And I'm like, that's it. Yeah. And she she got, she got it. it. Right. Right. She understood that, you know, Mike was better working with, you know, senior citizens that were probably single old ladies because he always reminded them of a grandson or whatever and just yeah. got really good results with them. 
versus, you know, John, who wasn't good with seniors. You didn't have the patience for him. And, right. You know, so she knew those kind of all these little things come into play. It's, just, it's not always just, well, it's this kind of problem. And Carl, that's solving that problem. Right. Personalities come into play, too. Sure. Sure. And so it's like getting an understanding of that. Yeah. So it's, it's probably, I mean, it's just, do, do dispatchers, do you like them to sit in on trainings, like tech yes. trainings, so they understand what they're going yep. through? Yeah. See, that's yep. a good, good little nugget to bring through. Yeah. Because yep. they got to know those guys. They have to know the guys. They have to, they have to know the guys' results. Yeah. Right. And because they need, they need to know at all times, who's, who's the hot hand? Who's yeah. the hot hand today? For sure. Right. Now the service manager, he should be, you know, setting the board, but sometimes he's, Doing yeah, off dealing with a problem somewhere, maybe a problem customer. He's out in the field, so that person still needs to understand what needs to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Because you find us what I, I call socialism on the dispatch board or with sales <laughs> leads. You know where we're going to be. Everybody, everybody gets one. Yeah, everybody gets their fair share, right? <laughs> and and I, you know our our businesses are capitalistic, right? I absolutely. Mean, and, if I got two calls and two technicians and one's really good, his average blended average tickets, $800 and yeah. the other's blended average ticket is $400. Guess who gets two calls and who goes that's, home? That's right. That's right. And they're, not, they're not getting one each. One each, right. I'm going to get 1200 bucks. Yeah. If the other guy runs two, I'm getting 1600 bucks. That's right. That's and right. That's it's what a math needs problem. to be thought of. Yes. Totally agree. We, we could spend an hour just just on this, but I, I want to keep pushing for it because there's a lot of good stuff I want to cover. We talk call center. Let's let's talk call volume. I mean, that's the the hot topic increasingly now. Everyone got fat yeah. and happy the last three years with COVID. Just calls yeah. calls coming everywhere, but now some some centers they're getting it's getting a little harder. So, um, yeah. what are you? What is your experience and what you, what you're seeing? Like, how if I don't have those calls? that I need in a couple of days, like you start looking at the board, what, do, yep. what should I be doing as a, as a business to, to remedy that? So a couple of things, first off, what, what is your club membership base look like? Mm -hmm. And I'm always working the day before. So mm -hmm. for example, at three o'clock today, and then I always teach, you know, all the service managers, general managers, when I'm, when I'm going to branches now, set your phone alarm for three o'clock. Because at three o'clock today, it needs to say, "Hey, knucklehead, look at your board for tomorrow." Right. Because th there's nothing, you know, nothing worse than playing, you know, that Russian roulette game where you're coming Ooh. in the morning, flip on the computer, and let's see what's happening today. Ooh, yeah, that, that gives that, me anxiety thinking about it. Yeah, that that's reactive, right? That's 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 reactive management. We right. Proactive management. Now we still have to finish out today, but if I'm looking at tomorrow, and I'm, you know, I don't have morning calls, and you know, now we have everybody in the building starts to turn to outbounder. Right. Yeah. Now yep. we're outbound those clubs and, and we're, we're setting appointments, mm -hmm. um, at least getting the morning set up so that when people come in, they got work right away. Right. Right. Because right? it's nothing worse than, than bringing technicians and all these people in and let's start got nothing for you and right. hang around and see if we can find something for you. No. Yeah. Let's make sure everybody's set up to, to, to get one or two calls in the morning um, from outbounding. Yep. And it, so you got your clubs and then then, you you know, if your clubs are exhausted, now you're working on everybody that you've, if you're an HVAC business, everybody you've done tune-ups for six months ago, Yep. but they don't have clubs, you call them and tell them it's time. You don't say, can we come do it? No, it's time for your fall or your spring tune-up. It's yeah, time. It's time. If it's if it's plumbing, you know, I, I always tell them, go back. If, if you ran drain cameras 
on drain calls yeah. and you gave them, you know, a 60, 90, 120 day warranty, whatever you're giving them as a warranty. If I run the camera, go back and call them and tell them, Hey, we could extend it, you know, another 90 days and we come run the camera again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good right? nugget. I like that. Yeah. And then when they're in the home, they got to make sure they're also doing the plumbing inspections. Yep. Things will, good things will start to happen if we're, if we're professional and we go and do it. Absolutely. Um, you can call your water heaters, mm -hmm. you know, and then, Tell them it's time for their annual. A lot of times when you make these outbound calls, you know, especially in plumbing, plumbing, there's a lot of nuisance that people sure. have at home, but it's not bad enough for me to actually call you. Yeah. When you're called around and say, hey, it's time for your annual water heater, you know, inspection or or flush. Mm -hmm. oh, I've been meaning to call you anyway. I got the slow drain going on and my you'll you'll pick up work that way. Yep. Yep. So it's being proactive. We can't sit around and, and cross our fingers and hold the phone. Oh, yeah. For sure. You know, and by the way, the other thing is if our phone's not ringing and we're not flush with calls, you got to start sending people home. Yeah. Hourly, hourly people have to start going home mm -hmm. and, and they'll, they'll feel the pain. It's like, Hey, the techs aren't working. We got to start coming back on your hours. Yeah. Unless you want to, unless you want to outbound. Right. Give me that phone. <laughs> yeah. You outbound, stick around. He would start putting calls on the board, but we have Absolutely. expectations, you know, when you outbound that you book some calls. Right. Right. Certainly, we don't want to get to that triage moment, but it, it does happen. But let's let's talk about how we can hopefully avoid that and, and and talk a little more marketing. What are some of the common when you look at people's marketing plans and what they're doing? I mean, it's so hard to talk unilaterally because every market's different, right? Because what happens yeah. in LA isn't going to happen in Rolla, yeah. Missouri, right? So, but yeah. what are some things you kind of look for? I mean, I guess do they have a marketing plan or you know what 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 are some things you're always looking for when you go visit locations? So. I always want to look at their, their marketing reports and you'll find out we don't, we don't have a lot of marketing reports. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll turn their, they'll turn their online over to one company. Yes. And they'll get reports. And this is, I was just having this conversation, you know, 15 minutes ago. And again, I, I'm a simple guy, right? So don't, don't talk to me about impressions and clicks <laughs> and click through rates and all this stuff. That's all stuff to make, you know, you online marketing people feel good. Yeah. Right. And I mean, you're baffling me. Oh, you're, you know, your click through rate in this. I don't care. Here's what I want to know. How many times did my phone ring from that marketing? Right. How many did I book? How many houses did I get into? And how much revenue did I generate? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I want to know. Right. Don't give me all that crap. That's it's, it's. I don't care. Right. I don't care how many impressions I had because that didn't make my phone ring. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And you got to have those hard conversations because a yes. lot of contractors will go, Okay. And then they, yeah. they, and they leave the meeting and they go, we still don't have calls. You know? <laughs> exactly. So yeah. I'm paying money. Is my phone ringing? And am I getting into houses and generating revenue? Yeah. Right. Yep. So, you know, are, are they the kind of call? Am I fishing in the right pond? Mm -hmm. Right. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. some people could get you, you know, a lot of calls, but you're the, the way it is a lot of, you know, rentals that are, you know, not in the best parts of town. Right. I don't want to be fishing in that pool. I'm not saying you can't generate revenue there, but it's much more difficult. It's harder for sure. Right. What, so are, are we fishing in the right pool and am I getting into houses? So, mm -hmm. so those marketing reports that tell me how many times the phone rang. So did I have a bookable call? Mm -hmm. What's my booking rate? Cause you know, I, I've seen where my, um, my booking rate for a call center, they're booking 85, 88%. Right. But then with these these online calls that are coming in, they're only booking them at 47 percent. Mm, well, yep. they they didn't get stupid. 
right? They don't book everything else at 88%, but these calls were stupid and we book them at 47, Yeah. right? Right. So what's going on with those calls? So you have to have the ability to listen to those calls. Mm -hmm. And that's going to tell us what kind of people it's bringing in or what kind of business it's bringing in. It might not be the business we want. So yeah, the phone's ringing, but we can't book them. Yes. Because it's bringing in the wrong kind of business. You right. know, it, maybe it's, you know, fire sprinklers. So we're not mm -hmm. booking them. Yep. You know, so you, you've got to get granular with your online companies and they're going to try to baffle you with their BS. Yeah. That's what they do. That's what they're really good at. Yes. You know, boom. How many times did that phone ring? How many did I book? How many houses did I get into? How much revenue is it generating? Yep. That's good stuff. That's good. It's true. And I, I feel like uh, a lot of them grow too fast and then they don't yeah. get the support. I feel like it's every two years people switch yeah. companies. That seems to be the lifespan of one. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And it was no different. I got to tell you, it was no different at ARS. Yeah. I can't tell you how many online companies we went through. Yeah. You know, so when you find one that's getting you some decent results, stay with them. Yeah. Don't, don't hop around because there's always that transition that costs you. Oh, you yeah. you make a transition, it, it's going to cost you. Yes. Yeah, but they just drop. Yeah, the just, calls drop. Yep. Yeah. Yep, and then the old company—they're not helping the new company. There's no them do that. So no, be, you know. Yeah. So it, it's got to be clearly thought out, and when you make a move, it has to be—you know—it's no different than a really good, you know, sales guy moving sales jobs. I mean, yep. you just don't do it on a whim. For sure. You know, yeah, that revenue stream has got to continue because at the end of the day, that's what it—that's what it all comes down to. Absolutely. Revenue. Again, we could talk about that forever. Um, let's let's pivot. The call comes in, it gets booked. We let's talk some techs. Let's talk some tech. So when you see labor percentages and gross margins get skewed, what are yeah. some things? What are some common problems you're always looking? What are you asking the service manager in those operations? Kind of kind of talk us through what are you know how you troubleshoot those situations? Yeah. So pricing, obviously. Mm -hmm. So if you see material and labor is higher, are we properly priced? Right. Right. Sounds basic, uh, but boy, it people forget yeah. about it. Yeah. 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 I mean, materials went up so much over the last couple of years and not everybody stayed up with it. I mean, you know, last year and the year before, I mean, it was almost monthly that you had an yeah. increase in your prices because material was going up every month. Yeah. You know, especially with shortages and, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, people didn't stay up to speed mm -hmm. on that. Mm -hmm. So pricing is an issue. Um, or. How much time are we spending on the jobs? Do we have enough hours built into the task? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So you see labor high, but materials okay. Yeah. Now you're, you know, is there enough labor built into the task or we need to increase our labor rate? Right. You know, so there's a number of things I look at. But the other thing I look at is, and this gets back to the socialism. I mean, how how are we who's getting the calls? You know, how much revenue are they generating? What's what's their average tickets? Um how are they converting the calls? Right. And, and that's a big one. When I go to a business, I, I want to look at how many how many service calls you ran and how many you convert into bigger tickets and how many you could are, are stayed at the lower. And then I want to know what's the average ticket for everything under 1500 bucks. Mm -hmm. What's that average ticket? Mm -hmm. And what's the average ticket for everything over 1500 bucks? Mm -hmm. And what percentages are converting to 1500 bucks? And that's going to tell you how good the technicians are. Right. Right. Because and I'll ask service managers, how do you define success or failure on a service call? Ooh, that's good. You know, and, and I'll ask technicians that. You you go into a home, you fix the problem, the customer's happy, and you leave. Success or failure? Mm -hmm. 
right? Because we're, you know, it, it's our report card. Yeah. Well, the PL is a report card. Well, at the end of every day, service technician, your report card is how you performed on the three to four calls I gave you. Absolutely. And what is success and what is failure? Your kid mm-hmm. said, you know, you ask your kid for his report card. Right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Right. So if you go home and your kid says, what's your report card look like today, dad? Right. What are you going to say, success or failure? Right. All right. And how do you define it? So in my opinion, you know, you have a service call, whether it's a maintenance call or, or somebody called for a service. You go in and you do the repair and you leave. That's failure. Mm-hmm. I don't care how happy the customer is. customer's happy. You did a great job. You were polite. That's failure. Yeah. Especially if you're in a multi-service line business. Yes. And if you have electric and plumbing and HVAC. Yes. Right? You, you better come out of there with one or more of these things. Okay, yeah, do the repair. But I like to see a repair plus, meaning you did a complete evaluation of the home. Right. And there's more than one thing that should be fixed. Right. In a lot of cases. Right? So you did the major repair, but there were a couple add-on repairs because mm-hmm. I did a good job evaluating the house. Right. Uh, did I get a club membership? Mm. Amazes me how many large companies allow club sales just to like they don't they don't emphasize it. I don't know if it's because right. they they got so fat and happy the last couple yeah. of years, but some big really good companies I know of they're like oh we we just haven't been capitalized. They don't train on it. Yeah. They don't talk about yeah. it. No. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I'm intrigued. And, what? Go ahead. And and then well my phone's not ringing. <laughs> yeah. But the, the clubs. Clubs are a savings account, right? Why do people have savings accounts? Oh, that's a good, yeah, I like that. Support for this podcast comes from Angie. Angie is one of the largest home services marketplaces that connects qualified service professionals to project-ready homeowners. With over 25 years of experience and a network of more than 250,000 pros, we have helped more than 150 million people with their home needs. For service professionals, we are the source for everything from new customers and revenue streams to reviews, payments, and perks. With homeowners today investing more than ever, countless projects need a pro to take them on. We make the connection. And then, uh-oh, something happened. I go to my savings account, I pull out some money. That's that's all a club membership is, a savings account. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Your nest egg for the future. Yeah. I'm intrigued. I want to get your insight on this. So I, it's, this happens, it's more or less, I would say, I would say emerging companies, companies that are, they're, they're smaller, but they're doing the right things. And they say they have got three really good techs, but they've got five or six that are still kind of, boy, they just, I just forget to, to give options. I forget to do the, the safety inspection. How do you coach a service manager to handle those guys where they just haven't, either they haven't bought on or they don't understand why they need to do that stuff? Yeah, so a couple of things. And if you take the technicians that are given options mm-hmm. and you do their average tickets and you take the technicians that aren't doing options and you do mm-hmm. their average tickets, you'll see that there's always a lift for the ones that have options. Yeah. Options will always provide you with a greater average ticket. It will. Absolutely. Than the ones that don't. So there's a first evidence. I mean, it's proof. You know, mm-hmm. otherwise you're you're just dad telling me stuff. Yeah, whatever. But proof's in the pudding. And and the more revenue you generate, the more money you make, right? Yeah. There's Absolutely. your raise right there. Yep. So yeah, when they start smart, asking for yeah. raises, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's right there. I was going to ask you on in terms of comp, 
and I, I'm sorry if I'm cutting you off. So if, no, finish yeah. your thought. Uh, what did you prefer your technicians to be paid by? Like a like a you know a commission or piece rate or what did what, what when you were looking and, and managing these different operations? What did you prefer the operators pay pay their guys? So when you talk in terms of install, whatever it is, uh, a piece rate. Yeah. Because right? we, we got a certain amount of, of labor that's built in there. So I'm going to pay you a piece rate on that. Yeah. So that's your so, preference. Yes. Yeah. For, for installation type stuff. Yeah. Um, whether it's water heaters, whatever it is, you're getting piece rate, flat yeah. rate for, for doing that install. Right. Right. When you're talking about technicians, I, I am okay with a blended. Mm -hmm. And when I say that, you know, new comp, that's good. Yep. Right. And so I know if I'm a good communicator as a technician mm -hmm. and I'm able to get the add-on repairs from doing evaluations and things like that. Yep. I know I can make more money and I right. will. Then right. you got people that they're not good communicators. They don't want to try to be sales or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But they're great technicians. They can fix anything. Yeah. Right. They, they can go up to a condenser and rub on it. It's healed. <laughs> because they are they're just that good yeah and and there's a place for them in the business so i don't have a problem paying them hourly yeah because i need people to go back on on you know callbacks or troubled customers troubled you know repairs I, I need somebody to do that and you'll find that sometimes when you have your new cop type or commission-based technicians they don't want to go spend a lot of time on that because they're not going to get money right and, I, and i'm not saying yeah there's certain things you can't change. Yeah. Right. So if if you try to put everybody in the right position, you know, this hourly guy, I know he's happy going and fixing stuff and I'll pay him by the hour and he's happy. And then this other guy, he's he's hungry. He wants to get out there, you know, yep. and get his kids through college and things like that. And yep. as long as he's, you know, honest and trustworthy, go out there and, and earn your commission. And that's a good point. You've got to be honest and trustworthy. You've got to know yeah, your people. Absolutely. That's why yep. we recruit. That's why we interview people hard. Yep. That's that's a yep. good nugget. And the minute they don't do something right, they're gone. You yes. know, you can't because you, you yeah. can't have people can't like have that. No, nope. absolutely not. But I, that's a good. That's I'm glad you brought that up. There are places in a, a, a company for people that are great technically that aren't hunters, but they are. They fill a great need in troubleshooting, yeah. yep. hard situations, stuff like that. Yeah. That's good. You know, there's there's some businesses I've been to, and I, I, I've always loved this. And the Powells, I don't know if they're still members or not. They're an electric company. Out there. Oh God, yeah, LA. they have been, yeah. Uh, but he had this seller doer concept, mm -hmm. where he had this group of electricians. They'd run around. They they were great communicators, and you know they go out and sell all the work, and then they had the worker bees that come behind them. They were just happy doing the work. Yep. Made a good living hourly, and they'd come behind and do the work. Yep. And and that model really works good because you keep your your best communicators and salespeople in front of homeowners. Yes. And they're not tied down for two or three days now doing work. Mm -hmm. And now your B and C techs have to go out and sell because then, then you get these ebbs and flows of high sales, low sales, because all your, right? So you, you're always keeping your best communicators in front of homeowners. And that's the best way to do it. It's funny you brought that. I, I, I would say for, uh, I, I hate to put a percentage on it, but there's a lot of that model now in, mm -hmm. in certain path in the plumbing and electrical side and they right. get those guys they'll you know they they flip it over to an install team it's just like yep. the hvac model so it yep. works uh let's great. let's talk a little uh materials equipment when you see materials percentages off you know when you're when you're looking at these companies what are some of the main culprits reason why those are high yeah we go back to pricing is our yeah. pricing right or right we price too low for it 
So I always like to, and it's part of my checklist that I want to see when I go to a business is uh, I want to see your job costing, mm-hmm. you know, because that, that's going to tell us a lot. Sure. So looking at your job costs, make sure we're priced right. If we're priced right and we still have high materials, there, there's a, there, are we adding things to jobs? Right. Right. So the technician wants to get the big ticket. I'll throw in this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, I'll throw in a UV light if you get this filter. Mm, yeah. Right. So how are we managing those materials, you know, that are that are going onto the trucks mm-hmm. and then subsequently go into a job, but it didn't show up on the invoice. Do you do you break it down by guy or is it just departmental? If if there's if there's a problem, yeah. we're gonna start breaking it down by guy. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. If there's yeah, not yeah. a problem, just spot check here and there. Right. right. Just spot check some jobs. Um just to make sure things are coming out right. But if I got a problem, if there's like, you know, according to my inventory, I should expense this, but on my PL, it's that. Yeah. So where's this where's this variance coming from? Now we have to drill down into the variance, and that might be getting to individuals. Is right? it you, when you, you got yeah, a sales right. guy, sales guy running out to the install team, hey, I promised this. Uh, and so they grab it, but it never went through the install folder to get expensed. Yeah. But it came out of the warehouse. So what kind of warehouse controls do we have that everything that's that. leaving there is getting tied to a job or a person? Yeah. Meaning a truck, right? Right. Because each one of those trucks is a warehouse. So it's leaving this warehouse, going to that warehouse. Now in the inventory of that warehouse, is it on there still or did it tie to a job? Yeah. And that has to that has to be managed. Right. And you'll be amazed at how many businesses you go to. They're not inventorying trucks. Right. Yep. Right. And how often you know, do you say they should inventory a truck? Quarterly. Quarterly. Quarterly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, it takes a few hours to do it. So, you know, you do one a day in, in a month, you could do 20 trucks. Yeah. Right. I mean, so, and you don't see a lot of fleets that big. Right. Right. So, so it even done. Even the best, most organized tr- trucks, right? That you, you're like, mm-hmm. really know. We really know what our inventory needs to be for our market. But there's always jobs that there's going to be something that you don't have on the truck. So how do you right. pref- how do you prefer contractors to handle those situations? Do you do you uh, you know give the, the techs a, a credit card so they can go to Home Depot and and, and they, I mean, like what's what's the process you would prefer them to to exercise? Um. Again, situation dictates. Um, I have to go to Home Depot and get it not on my card, on their card, and I'll reimburse them. Yeah. Right? Um, that's my preference. Mm-hmm. Because when it's on their car all the time, they ain't doing it. They'll be sure to have the stuff on their truck. That's a good point. That's good. Right? I, yeah. I mean, that's just, that's, in my opinion, that's the best way to do it. If you give your card, because you're burning time. Yeah. Right? And that's what we sell. We sell time. Yep. Yep. Right. We get, we get materials, but it's time. And you run to a Home Depot, even if it's 10 minutes down the street, you're burning an hour. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, you know, having the trucks properly stocked is imperative. And, and if you're a good service manager or install manager, you're watching how many times they're, they're running to supply houses or whatever. And then you got to pinpoint to, you know, was it the person that sold the job that didn't tell us everything we were going to need for it? Right. Or is, is my install crew too lazy to 
visualize the job and make sure everything is is there for it. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Right. What are your thoughts on VMIs, the vendor managed systems? Is that is that really the way to go once you get to a certain size? It just kind of eliminates a lot of that I've seen time consuming. Done, yeah, I've seen it done a lot of times really well. Yeah. Where it's 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 a huge benefit. Yeah. But it has to be managed. Yeah. If if you're not managing the VMI folks, yeah. Inventory can get worse. That's interesting. Yeah. So this so is still about a price shop. To, yep. They you got a price shop. You got to make sure you're you're being billed for what you use. You're not mm -hmm. being overbilled. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, th there have just been a lot of times where that gets out of control. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, they come in and do an inventory, and there's a big inventory adjustment to your business because they lost control. Yeah. And it's, you know, everything has to tie to a truck or a home, mm -hmm. right? Everything. And if it, if, if you go in and they're doing weekly inventories and billing you weekly, you better take, take a look at those materials and they better every single one of them tied to a job or a truck. Yeah. That's good. Right? That's a good nugget. Cause you, you let it go three, six, nine months, all of a sudden, boom. Oh, there's an inventory adjustment of 30, $40,000 right now. Uh -uh. <laughs> right, you, guys are, you guys are billing me weekly and everything's got to tie to a job. Yeah, that's good. Excellent. Right. All right. I want to, I want to wrap it up, Carl, in honor of your time. I know you got a, a lot of busy stuff going on today. Good stuff. What are just again, wrapping up, just kind of, what are two, you've been in a handful of our members before that, obviously a lot of ARS locations helping folks. What are the two to three biggest problems you see that the larger contractors, what are those big problems that they're making? Two, two to three common ones that someone watching this or listening yep. can go, oh boy, I need to look at that. So the, the biggest one, and you, you you brought it up earlier, Bob, you know, everybody's suffering for calls right now. I mean, yeah. they're struggling for calls and, you know, phones aren't ringing off the hook. I always, and well, my philosophy is, I'm not going to cry about the calls I don't have. I can't mm -hmm. do anything about the calls I don't have. Mm -hmm. You know, I can do some marketing things or whatever, but I don't have them now. Mm -hmm. So I'm always going to look at the results of the calls I do have. And you better be maximizing what you're doing with those calls. Yep. So un understanding the over and under $1,500, understanding the conversions on the tickets, mm -hmm. right? The, how we're running the mm -hmm. calls. How they're being dispatched, right? Are they being properly prioritized? Are we getting the right people to the right call. And the example I gave you earlier, whether I'm going to get sixteen hundred bucks today or twelve hundred bucks today from the same two calls, mm -hmm. and it's all de dependent on who I put on those calls. Yep. Right. And and unfortunately, if we do not have the volume of calls we need, we we have to send people home, or they could follow up on their old tickets. Yep. Of people that didn't buy anything. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. you left the recommendations. They could follow up on those. But I'm keeping my best and heaviest hitters on all calls. Yeah. So, you know, my guy's going to have four calls today before I go to guy number two mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or guy number three. And, and that's that's not being managed that way because, you know, we know they all have families. We get it. We feel responsible for our coworkers. But at the same time, if I'm giving them the training and the opportunity, they need to perform. Right. Absolutely. Right. I'm at, I wanted to bring up interject real quick. Um, it's probably a good time to dial up the training too. If you only train once a week, 
If you want to make yep. sure you're taking care of every opportunity, yep. it might be time to be a little more top. They have that top of mind awareness training. So every morning train for 20 or 30 minutes. So yep. everyone remembers every step and why it's important and all that stuff. That's it. You know, when you yep. slow down, people don't want to train. And I always, you know, I said this when I was running New Millennium Academy. Yeah. Quit, quit complaining and start training. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's it. The, so when you do, yeah. you do have the calls pop in, you're well-trained and prepared. It's funny, like I think of, uh, you know, Leland Smith at Service Champ. I, those guys yeah. come in and voluntarily train every morning at like 6 a.m. Yep. And these guys sell five, six million dollars and they're doing it yes. every morning because it's part of their culture. It's part yep. of who they are. Yep. So, uh, OK, I didn't mean to throw you off. So what in terms oh, of call in terms of call volume, what other things should are red flags that big contractors don't realize they may have in their business? Um, staffing. Because they start mm -hmm. to get bloated in the overhead area. Yep. Because they're getting big and and they're not really paying attention to what's going on in that overhead. And you, you yep. Three four points sometimes. Mm. You're talking ten million dollars in three or four points. It's a lot of money. Over, you know, administrative overhead that that doesn't need to be there. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Right. Um, sales. Yeah. Sales sales efficiency. Mm -hmm. If you're an HVAC company, it's it's how you're handling, you know, your your opportunity calls and yeah. what that opportunity conversion is, mm -hmm. right? I mean that that's that's a big one. Mm -hmm. That's the most predictive model in this industry is when you're talking about HVAC is that turnover model. Mm -hmm. So how we're identifying the opportunities, how we're scheduling the opportunities, how they're converting, when they're being run. Mm -hmm. You know, what's what's our speed to the lead? Right. Right. Because sometimes people schedule a turnover call out because I already have, you know, an Angie's list call scheduled. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Angie's list. Boom. Sorry, Angie. Turnover. Yeah. We'll, we'll, see, Angie, we'll see Angie tomorrow. We're seeing yeah. turnover today. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah. some of those things that aren't happening um, when I go to businesses, I see that. I see that up and down the spectrum. Yeah. Right. It's, it's the understanding of how important every single uh, opportunity call and lead is and, and how they're being managed. And I call opportunity management. How, mm -hmm. How's that's being handled? Is it just that um, maybe the the GMs or owners are not, they're not meeting with their, their senior managers and every day or every, you know, a couple times a week and drilling down on the KPIs and they just kind of lose sight of that. Is that, is that a quick way to remedy that? So it gets, it gets looked at. Yeah, well, I, I think that um, in my in my travels here, they have their meetings. I I think it's not understanding what what the KPI focus needs to be. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we have meetings and we're talking about too much stuff. Yeah. And everyone I I go to is this. Look, at the end of the day, revenue generation comes first. Yeah. That's it. I mean, we have to bring the cash register every day. All this other stuff that we're messing with. Right. It's yeah. a distraction from revenue. And I'm not saying it doesn't need to be messed with, but nothing, nothing trumps revenue except safety. Right? Yes. For sure. Safety comes first, then it's revenue. And everything you, you're doing in your business needs to be, and everybody needs to understand their focus is around revenue generation. Yeah. Yep. Right. And if we're focusing on that revenue generation, a lot of the other ills really start to go away. Because now mm -hmm. your people are happy, they're making money. 
You know, they're making money, they're spending time with their families, they're taking them on vacation. All that good stuff happens from revenue generation. Absolutely. So I always say, you're sitting there, and you don't know what to do. You should be doing something to generate revenue. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And, and everybody in your business needs to understand that. We're mm-hmm. about generating honest, ethical revenue, but we yep. need to be generating revenue. Yep. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> Good stuff. Excellent. Well, Carl, so it sounds like, you know, your spots are selling up fast or are closing up fast. You don't have a lot of companies you can take on more, but if someone yeah. is, is interested and, and we, we, we will certainly happily start a wait list for certain path SGI yeah. members only, sorry, outside contractors. If you want Carl's expertise, you got to join the family. Uh, I guess just you direct them to the hub, right? To go fill out that form on the hub or, yeah. or they can just contact your coach. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. If so, please like and subscribe on YouTube. If you're on your favorite podcast player, please leave us a five-star review. The two seconds you take to leave a review will help other success-minded contractors like you find us and hopefully get a little bit better, which elevates our entire industry. And please join me for future episodes. This has been The Successful Contractor, powered by CertainPath. Support for this podcast comes from Dynamic Air Quality Solutions. Since 1982, Dynamic has been the leader in designing, manufacturing, and distributing IAQ products to the commercial and residential markets through authorized HVAC contractors. Certain PATH members receive the exclusive value of the Clean Air Defense System private label to drive your brand in the market you serve. Our commitment starts with support. We provide you with world-class industry-leading technical and communications training, face-to-face and online. Become a clean air defense system indoor air quality partner and dominate your market. Visit worldclassiaq.com for more information. The Successful Contractor Podcast is part of the Certain Path family. Certain Path builds successful home service businesses and has for 23 years. We do it by providing contractors with a proven path to success, professional coaching, software solutions, and a member community of over 1,000 contractors just like you. Doubling your sales with a 20% net profit and an inspiring company culture is all possible. Let us show you the way. With CertainPath, success is made certain. Visit www.mycertainpath.com for more information.